Hi, welcome if you're new here and welcome back if you've been here before. This week's episode covers the story of a mother who was reunited with her long-lost daughter after 20 years. The circumstances of the reunion was so incredible that it could easily be confused for a movie. We will also discuss the new rules from Google that limits how applications can scan your phone, the Kenyan who smashed a marathon record, the massive human trafficking operation stopped by an Interpol-led operation, and the largest working Nintendo Switch ever built. I am your host, Yemi, and every week I bring you Overlook stories from all around the world. As you will see from this episode and the ones that are in the catalog, The stories include the good, the bad, and sometimes even the weird. With that said, let us get right into the stories for this week. This first story right here, it's a tearjerker. It is so close to unbelievable that if it were the plot of a TV show, a lot of us would probably walk away and write the show off as being, well, a little too dramatized. This was in fact real life and it happened in China when a woman discovered that her soon-to-be daughter-in-law was actually her daughter who had gone missing as a child. On March 31st, at a wedding held in the rural area of Shuzhou, the mother, Grandma Ji, noticed a bark mark on the hand of the bride that was identical to the mark that had been on her own daughter. The girl's parents were shocked when she asked them if the bride had been adopted because it is not something that they had told anyone. After some back and forth, they revealed that she had in fact actually been adopted. The details were quickly ironed out and the bride confirmed that she was indeed the woman's long-lost biological daughter. It turns out that the bride had gone missing as a child and was picked up by her adoptive parents on the roadside about 20 years ago. Here is another plot twist. Normally, you would think the wedding should have been called off, right? Well, it turns out that her son, the groom, was also adopted. So, because the newlyweds were not actually a biology, so because the newlyweds were actually not biological siblings, the wedding went ahead. The pictures are both heartbreaking and filled with so much joy. The bride is crying. There's obviously a lot of mixed emotions. A reunion of mother and daughter, in a way that is so dramatic, it is quite, quite incredible. Google has announced another privacy restriction for Play Store apps. Starting this summer, Android 11s will restrict the ability of certain apps to scan your entire app list, which can contain all sorts of sensitive information like your dating preferences, banking information, password management, political affiliation, and much more. So it makes sense to lock that down. Basically, they're going to restrict apps to only search for and use as much information as they need to operate their core function. If developers want the ability to do a broader search beyond the app's core function, they need to make a case to Google. If an app has to interact with other apps, Google wants developers to narrow the scope of the ability to scan your phone for other apps. For example, rather than search all apps on your phone, It would be search for apps that supports X feature. Google is also requiring that the core function and core features of any apps be fully and prominently documented in the app's description on the Play Store. 
Some apps will still be able to do a broad search of your phone. So think about antivirus apps, file managers, and browsers. The new policy also goes a bit further to note that the app inventory data queried from play distributed apps may never be sold nor shared for analytics or ad monetization purposes. This can be interpreted as ads cannot sell or profit from the information they get by searching through the apps available on your device, specifically the apps that have been distributed through the Play Store. According to ArsTechnica.com, while this rule is initially only enforceable to the latest version of Android, because the Play Store requires apps to update within one year of a new Android version, by November 2020, by November 2021, this new restriction will apply to all apps downloaded through the Google Play Store. Ruth Chepngetich from Kenya smashed the world half marathon record on Sunday, April the 4th. She clocked in at an amazing one hour, four minutes and two seconds at a half marathon race that took place in Turkey, coming in 29 seconds faster than the old record. The race featured a number of world-class athletes, including Cep Ndetic, who is a two-time champion in Istanbul, her fellow Kenyan Brigitte Kozge, who is the marathon world record holder, and Ethiopian half-marathon record holder, Yale Mzerf, Yehualau, among others. If, and I most certainly did butcher the names, I apologize, I did use a pronunciation tool, and based on what they said, I'm pretty sure they're wrong. According to Running Magazine Canada, the race started with a tight pack of women, and by the 10,000-kilometer mark, which they passed at the 30 minutes and 21 second time, there were five runners battling for the lead. Chep Ngetich, who eventually won, Koske and Yuhalau were in contention, joined by Kenyans Helen Obiri, who was making her first half-marathon debut. There was also Joanne Chelimomeli. With this win, Chep Ngetich has nabbed her third Istanbul half-marathon title, adding to her wins from 2017 and 2019, and also lowering her average course record. Yehualao finished in second place, crossing the line at 1 hour, 4 minutes, and 40 seconds. Kenya is indeed a distance-running powerhouse. It is always, always an amazing thing to see and watch. Good lord. <laughs> Australian Olympic kayaker Nathan Bigley and his brother Drew Bigley have been found guilty of attempting to smuggle... 152 million US dollars worth of cocaine into Australia. Nathan purchased the boats used in a police chase that took place in the year 2018. During the chase that involved both the Navy and the Air Force, his brother Drew and another man, Anthony Draper, were arrested after trying to run away. Drew and Anthony made an 11 hour journey in June 2018 to meet up with a foreign ship that was carrying the drugs but they were seen by surveillance planes and followed by a Navy ship. Both men were captured on video, throwing the packages overboard and trying to get away from the ship. They were later caught by a Queensland police vehicle off the coast and arrested by armed officers. The video was very dramatic. It almost seemed like it wasn't real life. It was a movie. Drew claimed that he thought he was collecting tobacco and not the drugs that he was collecting. 
He also said he was kidnapped by Draper and made to go on the trip. Added to that, he said that Draper threatened his family if he didn't help him. Draper, in turn, claimed that Drew had in fact recruited him to drive the boat and pick up what he assumed was marijuana. Prosecutors claimed that Nathan, the Olympian and brother to Drew, was the one who bought the boat and fitted with the satellite phone and navigation system. Nathan, on his part, claimed that the money to buy the boat was given to him by Drew for what he assumed was going to be used for a whale-watching business. But his fingerprints were discovered on a tape that was used to hide the boat's registration number. This is not the first drug-related offense for either brother. They had previously been convicted on other charges, one of which was drug manufacturing. So, there's that. I'm going to issue a slight trigger warning before I go into the next story. I do not go into a significant amount of detail, but the next story actually does touch on gender-based violence, including sexual assault. If this is not something you can listen to at all, feel free to skip to the very next story using, using the chapter marker on your podcast player. Under international law, Irregular migrants are smuggled with their consent, while trafficking victims are forced or deceived into a life filled with exploitation. It is important for us to make this distinction as we go into this story that involves both irregular migrants and victims of human trafficking. During an Interpol-led or international police-led crackdown on human trafficking and migrant smuggling, Authorities in Africa and Europe have rescued nearly 500 victims of human trafficking, including children, and identified about 760 irregular migrants. According to the news released by Interpol, Operation Weka, which means stop in Swahili, was carried out from March 28 to the 2nd of April. Weka involved authorities from 24 countries that represented the source, the transit route, and the destination locations for these criminal networks. Operation Weka led to 195 arrests, 88 of them for human trafficking, 63 for people smuggling charges, with the rest for other charges such as document fraud, theft, drugs-related crimes, and environmental offenses. Police in 24 countries, including Brazil, France, Kenya, Uganda, South Africa, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, took part in the operation. Operation Weka has demonstrated once again that there is a close link between migrant smuggling and human trafficking, especially in a time of extreme hardship through the global health crisis that we're going through. The desperation of so many people trying to escape to better lives has provided an opportunity for criminal networks to take advantage and turn a profit. A lot of these human trafficking victims cannot simply walk away once they're in the clutches of these criminals. Some have their passports seized, which keeps them trapped in a country where they are isolated and often maltreated, a situation that is nothing short of modern-day slavery. According to various data sources, including the United Nations International Labour Organization, the rights group Walk Free Foundation, and one of the oldest anti-slavery organizations, Anti-Slavery International, between 25 and 40 million people are estimated to be victims of forced labor. One in four of these people are children, and almost three quarters are women and girls. In this Interpol-led bust, one of such victims was a 15-year-old Congolese girl who ran away from a forced marriage with smugglers 
who were supposed to, in quotes, help her. These smugglers abused her sexually on the route to Tunisia, and there is now another investigation into if she was exploited sexually while she was in Tunisia. According to Anti-Slavery International, modern-day slavery takes many forms, including human trafficking, where people are transported against their will, forced labor, where people are forced to do services under threat of harm, debt bondage or bonded labor, where vulnerable people borrow money and are forced to work off their debt, descent-based slavery, where people are treated as property and their slave status is then passed on to their children, slavery of children, where kids are exploited for another person's gain. So think of child labor or child soldiers. And forced and early marriage, where someone is married off against their will and cannot leave the union. These forms have been listed here because with so many people in bondage across the world, no country is free from modern slaves. It can be happening in your neighborhood. So I encourage you dear listener, to visit antislavery.org and learn more about ways that you can spot a victim of modern-day slavery. You may be the key to someone else's freedom. A French airstrike in January killed 19 civilians and three armed men at a wedding in the remote desert of central Mali, according to a report from investigators from the United Nations. The UN reports contradicts France's account of the incident where they had said that only Islamist militants were hit. The Human Rights Division of the United Nations Mission in Mali, MINUSMA, said its investigation included an on-site visit to the village of Bonti where the attack took place on January the 3rd, an analysis of satellite images and interviews with more than 400 people, including at least 115 face-to-face individual sessions. The wedding celebration had brought together about 100 individuals at the site where the French strike happened. The UN report said that 19 people, including 16 civilians and three armed men who were attending the wedding, were killed immediately in the airstrike, while three more civilians died while being transferred to medical care. The French Defense Ministry has rejected the findings. In a statement, the ministry said that the strike followed a robust targeting process that had identified the targets as militants. France has also taken issue with the sources of information used to develop the reports. And what it has claimed is limited information on the conditions under which the testimonies were collected. France believes that because of how the information was gathered, it is impossible to make a distinction between concrete sources and false sources. France has been embroiled in Mali's conflict since 2013, when it intervened to push back Islamist militants who were advancing south after seizing the desert to the north. Mali is a former French colony. France has more than 5,000 troops in Mali and neighboring countries that they used to battle troops linked to Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. The January 3rd airstrike came after five French soldiers were killed the previous week in two attacks carried out with improvised explosive devices. The UN report said forensic experts found no evidence of incinerated motorcycles, weapons, or ammunition that would have suggested the presence of a large number of armed men. MINUSMA recommended that Malian and French authorities lead an independent, credible, and transparent investigation into what happened. Last month, 
Nicole Yamase became the first Pacific Islander, the third woman, and at 29, the second youngest person to visit Challenger Deep, the deepest known part of the Mariana Trench. The Challenger Deep is a place that has been visited by fewer people that have flown to the moon. It is pitch black and is the deepest known point in the ocean. The name Challenger Deep is often used synonymously with Earth's deepest points, but Challenger Deep isn't a surrounding or single spot on the ocean floor. It's a deep, which is a submarine region rather than a discrete point. Challenger Deep, a region that includes approximately 2,100 islands, shows up as a dark bean-shaped region south and little west of Guam. If you are familiar with the geography of the United States, it comes out to be about the same size as Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island combined. The roughly 50-kilometer long, 6-kilometer wide Challenger Deep lies within the territorial waters of Federated States of Micronesia, or FSM. The FSM president, David Panuelo, said that it was finally fitting that a Micronesian has finally seen the bottom of the Challenger Deep. Yamase took personal mementos into the submersible for the 10-hour mission, which included the FSM flag, a traditional Mwaramwar Kauri shell necklace, a small model wooden canoe, which was a gift from her father and a symbol of her navigator heritage. She grew up in Palau, Saipan and Chuk and Ponfei, and is now studying a PhD on the effects of climate change on microalgae and nearshore marine plants at the University of Hawaii. The expedition was organized by deep sea explorer Victor Vescovo, who is on a mission to map the seafloor. He also wants to expand access to independent scientists and inspire tomorrow's explorers. Yamase hopes that her experience will inspire more Pacific Islander women to pursue STEM and higher education. Congrats, Yamase. Well done. We will wrap up this week's episode with a story about the world's largest Nintendo Switch console. Michael Pick built the oversized working, yes working, console and shared a video on YouTube that showed in detail how he did it. The console measures 70 by 30 inches and weighs almost 30 kilograms. It is estimated to be 650% larger than a regular Nintendo Switch. He has since donated the console to the St. Jude Children's Hospital located in the U.S. state of Tennessee. The Nintendo Switch is a very popular console and it has shipped almost 80 million units worldwide as of December 2020. Good one, Michael. Good one. So, Overlook listeners, let us support him by watching the video on YouTube so he gets some of that sweet, sweet ad revenue. The video is called World's Largest Nintendo Switch, in brackets, actually works. That is all for this episode, folks. Um, To end this episode, here is a gentle reminder to speak life into someone else this week. Have yourself a fulfilled week. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in every week for a new episode. Overlooked is a Tunica Media production, which also includes shows like Africa in My Kitchen with more on the way. So follow Tunica Media on Instagram, 
YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to be in the loop. Until next time, have yourself a great week ahead.